Welcome to NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. I'm your host, Anna Crane, a licensed social worker and outreach counselor at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center here in Houston, Texas. I'm so glad for you to join us for season three, where we talk about all things healing. Let's get into today's episode. Amy Grady is a licensed professional counselor based in Houston, Texas, where she was born and raised. Amy earned a master's degree in communications from Texas State University, as well as a master's degree in education and counseling from Our Lady of the Lake University. After working in education for 24 years and more roles than we can count, Amy landed here at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center. Now, as a full-time individual therapist, Amy has been focusing on assisting clients with stress management, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ+, and gender questioning, grief, emotional and behavioral concerns, and discovering new or potential career paths. Amy utilizes cognitive behavioral therapy as the foundation to supporting her clients, combined with various counseling ideologies and tools beneficial to their success. We're so glad to have her here today. Hi, Amy. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today and talk a little bit about yourself and grief and loss and how it's impacted you both as a person and also just as a clinician, how you manage it as a licensed professional therapist. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. This is a topic that most people avoid but it is part of life. It grief. is so part of life. And um, sometimes we don't even recognize when grief is really happening because they think it's only related to death. So I am excited to talk with you about this. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and a little bit of your story and okay. how you have both managed grief in your personal life, but also as a clinician? I am a native Houstonian, which is a rarity around here anymore. Love I was it. born and raised uh, right up the road. And... I just retired last May out of education. I was a teacher for 24 years. I started off in college and then transitioned to a high school here in town. And then from that led to wanting to do more. And I discovered that that wanting to do more was to be a school counselor. In becoming a school counselor in school, I discovered that I needed to do an LPC, the licensed professional counselor route, instead of the school counselor route, which... You know, it's interesting how life hands you the, those cards and it turns out for the best because I'm so glad that that's what happened because being an LPC has opened up way more opportunities for me. Absolutely. And in working through getting this master's degree, we had a class about grief and I discovered that I was one of the few that was very comfortable in talking about grief. Yeah. Um, one, because I had a wonderful mother who totally normalized attending funerals and people's passing as mm. a part of life, as something that we just, it's just going to happen. Yeah. And we just need to handle it as best as possible. And that turned into um, handling the situation of my parents passing away. Uh, within four months of each other in one year. And that was a lot to handle on my plate. And it really woke me up to immediate grief, you know, closer, you know, closer in to your inner circle. Absolutely. And it was something I was very fortunate. My parents adopted me when they were 52 after already having seven kids. I don't know what they were thinking, but I've always been grateful that my last name is Grady. And... (laughs) 
But I always knew that my parents were older and that they, you know, weren't the equivalent age of my peers, friends, parents, you know. And so we can tell ourselves that we're ready for that. But until when it actually happens, yeah, it's really tough. So in getting this degree and then working in that class about grief, I discovered that maybe this was something that I could include in my counseling work. And then working for the, after I graduated and passed the NCE, hallelujah, that um, <laughs> working in a high school for the next four and a half years, I dealt with in, in the community where I was in the northeast part of Houston at a wonderful KIPP high school. Shout out to KNCP. Um, <laughs> I dealt with a lot of kiddos dealing with, with grief and death yeah. and was very glad that I had the tools and I had the wherewithal and, and you know, to speak with them on these things and, and help them grow and learn how to handle this that's part of life, um, much like what my mom did for me. So that has led to eventually me being here at this wonderful place of Finnegan Counseling and getting to help clients who are facing grief. And not just grief that's come from death. I've dealt with clients who have had loss in relationships, yes. loss in work, and all of that is is grief. First of all, thank you for sharing so much of your story. And also, I, I, I think what you're just saying right now is so important. There's things I want to touch on throughout that. But especially the the idea of loss in general causes grief. Not, you know, we live in a city that there are horrible natural disasters, <laughs> right? Like they, we all had grief and loss from Harvey. I would say, you know, the whole world struggled during COVID. Right. We all suffered a loss of our typical day-to-day routine and that caused exactly. anxiety and depression for people. What would you say are some healthy coping mechanisms that people can lean into when they're healing from grief and maybe some of those unhealthy ones that pop up for some people because that is a part of it. It is. And and so we have to be able to identify what's a healthy one, what's an healthy, unhealthy coping right. mechanism. And, you know, the, the COVID experience definitely was a great yeah. example of loss. And I kept hearing people say, I just want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. And I just wanted to shout out, you know, to everybody that you can't go back to to March 10th. (laughs) You can't Mm -hmm. go back to that normal because of what you've already experienced. Right. And really coming to the realization that your life has changed because of whatever the loss may be. Right. Loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a pet, loss of a person, you know, any of that loss of materialistic things because Mother Nature's waters came rushing rushing through. through your house. Yeah. You know, and, and we certainly experienced that here in Houston. They, we just had the anniversary of the tax day flood, yes. you know, from years back. And so coming to the realization that you're at the point where you have to make adjustments, yes. that you're not going to be able to continue on the path that you were on because of what has impacted your world. And being able to then make those adjustments per coping skills, even something just as simple as paying attention to your self-talk. And making sure that you are having encouraging self-talk. My one steadfast, true coping skill with grief is gratitude. Mm. And that is something I started hearing coming out of 2020 was everybody wanted to focus on what they didn't have anymore, what they couldn't do anymore, you know, what the restrictions were. What about the gratitude of what you did still have? Thank goodness for those of us who did have a home to stay in. Thank goodness for those of us who did have other people, you know, that we were living with that made it 
made it doable. Um, so gratitude is huge. Whenever we catch ourselves with our self-talk that maybe we're just stuck in the negative, we're just so focused on the loss and how that's impacting us because it is a selfish thing. Yeah. It is what we are dealing with that we've lost now. Yeah. But focusing on what we still have yeah. and what we can build off of. My grief clients, I tell them, you know, we are the authors of our story mm, and we are beautiful. writing that story every day. And how we edit that, what we include and what, what we edit out, what we use as background music, all of that is important because now after you've experienced this, whatever the event was, you've got to rip those future chapters out that you thought you were going to write in a certain way and rewrite those starting now. Well, and that's such a, an important part of this, right? Like I think so often when we're faced with grief or faced with loss, we start a, a big piece of it is is that like the firsts after the, mm-hmm. the loss, right? Like the first right. after the grief, the first birthday, the first Christmas, right. the first, you know, how do you recommend people can move in through to those first and move through them? So back in the day, I tried avoidance yeah, <laughs> of like emotions. I tried av- avoidance of emotions. I tried avoidance of all of that. If I just don't come home to my sister's house for Christmas, then it didn't really happen. Then it didn't really hurt. Right. If I just avoided all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you can run as fast as you want mm-hmm. and you can hide where you think you're really hidden. But all of that is still there. So ever since I've been a proponent of just taking it face on. Yeah. I encourage all of my clients, you know, be aware of those firsts that are coming up. You manage and you decide how you want to have those play out best for you. Again, sprinkled in with some gratitude. What can I do? What can I still do? Who do I have? I think the other one of the most important things is is realizing your support system that you have in place around you. And those people who are going to be there, you know, no matter what it looks like. And you know, I also have people who say, Oh, I don't want to bother anybody. Oh, my goodness gracious. That leads me to the other, you know, pieces that that help play in there is that Patience and grace for yourself. Yes, we don't. We do not give ourselves what we give often to ever other people in support. We give them the patience. We give them the grace and the time to deal with things. And yet we sometimes don't do that for ourselves. So it is reminding ourselves, patience and grace. Lean on that support system. Let them be there for you. Yeah, you know they don't have to do everything, but no. they certainly can be there for you, whether it's talking about it or not. But also talking about the loss, that cathartic act is huge. Huge. And honoring honoring the loss, right? Honoring what was while moving forward. And being, again, there's that gratitude, being appreciative for what you did have in your life. Yes. And taking the positives from that. Yeah. It really is a mixture of all of those coming together to support yourself. But if we don't give ourselves the patience and the grace... And a lot of my, I have had a lot of people say, well, when am I going to get over this? Yeah. You know, people are telling me, oh, it's been a month. You should be past this. Okay. That's the bad stuff, people. <laughs> Don't let anybody else tell you Your or, or guilt you, yes, into how you should be doing right now. You know, you should listen to yourself. If you're paying attention to your self-talk, if you're giving yourself patience and grace, if you are facing things head on and getting, you know, and dealing with it, identifying those emotions, encouraging with that self-talk and putting yourself in good places to be able to manage and handle things as they come along, you will feel that growth within yourself. But other people 
telling you, oh, you should be past that. Or why are you still talking about that? Don't let them do that to you. I'm I'm here and I'm telling you that is no. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it can be really hard to be the support system sometimes. So I'd love to hear, you know, I, I, I was thinking as you were talking about how when I was right out of college, I had a really good friend pass away. He was much, it tragically, and he was much closer to an, my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I remember being about a year out of losing him and being so distraught because I felt like, man, I'm so tired of this being the thing that mm-hmm. we talk about as a friend. Mm-hmm. But I know I have to give my friend that grace and that patience. Um how would you say that as people are healing and they're supporting their people, how would you recommend that they do that and do that well through whatever their loss is? So people who've experienced the loss, a lot of times they'll go through a period of time. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. That is the encouragement is to share either with one person that you know is going to tell everybody else, like say yeah. a family member mm-hmm. or you know, because a lot of times people will keep themselves from attending parties or whatever. It is a simple sentence of if they bring it up, thank you for asking. I'm just really not talking about that tonight. And then asking them a question, you know, how's your week been? How's your job? How are I your kiddos that. doing? And redirect the conversation. Yeah, that is us becoming more confident and learning how to manage these situations. Absolutely. Again, the avoidance is no, do not keep yourself from attending parties or functions or whatever, because you don't want to have that conversation. Right. So we can manage that and help other people, you know, right. along with that. It is also the, the, the reframing that these are people who are just trying to, they care, yes. they care. But if we don't feel like talking about it, just it's one simple sentence just to let them know. Those of us who are trying to support someone else, just ask, what can I do for you? Please right. know that I'm here. It is simple right. statements. And with technology today, with just texting, we can text that yes. now. I'm thinking about it. And you. that makes that go so much easier than a face-to-face. And, and us feeling that maybe we made the other person feel awkward or yes. upset them. Just sending those words of kindness. Is, I'm always here. Just checking in with you. We can talk about anything from A to Z. We don't have to necessarily talk about that. You know, just letting them know, inviting them to things, encouraging oh, I love them, that. you know, I, to, to get up and out and, and letting them know it's not going to be about that. Please know we're going to go to dinner or we're going to go to dinner and a show or we're going to go to a comedian or we're going to go a to drink a concert or, or, you know, I've got these two tickets, you know, to whatever. And it's just helping them get up and out. Because a lot of times we just need that, mm-hmm. something mindless. I had one of my good friends back after my mom passed away. She took me down to a racetrack that her family owned, and it was one of the dirt tracks with the sprint racers. Yeah. And I was like, what? I don't want to be here. What are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. It turned out to be the best thing ever because I just stood at this fence. I got sprayed by dirt from these cars going around yeah. the track and just hollered out loud and it was so cathartic it was so lovely it so took my mind off of it and a lot of times in support that's how we can do you know for those people in need is giving them those mental breaks yes from having it on their mind we're not trying to avoid the topic but we're just giving them those breaks yes. that we need and they need to reset well and i think something that you said too that i think is so important as the supporter 
it's so important to know the person that you're supporting, right? Like maybe that person doesn't like flowers. Maybe the flowers right. remind them of funerals. Maybe that really? person yes. is a vegetarian. So everyone offering to bring over food is just stressful because then they have all these dietary restrictions. But maybe you take them to a neighborhood garden and plant some vegetables. Yes. Like if they're a vegetarian. Love it. Just yes. Something like that. Something like that that's a little bit less of the conventional support mm-hmm. and really digging into Okay. I mean, obviously, things like that are great for someone who you don't know as well, but you want to send a note or something. That's fine. But I feel like that, especially if it's a close person, really doing something that they love and doing it together and spending time can be so helpful. And here's what I found was after my parents passed away, you know, everybody was lovely and they were there and the support was awesome. But a month or two down the line, everybody else got back to their lives. I was still sad. Yeah. So for those who want to be support, please keep checking in with that person. You know, after the kind of what I call kind of the, you know, like the rush uh, after a loss has happened. And and, and again, not just about death. If someone has lost a job, if Uh someone has, you know, had a relationship come apart, you know, check in with them again. You know, just because it's not super recent, that doesn't mean that they're not still hurting and they're not still having their world, you know, adjusting and shook up from that event check back in with them you know two three six months on down the line and and again be there for them yeah especially during those first like right we were talking about like because they're going to be facing those head-on for a full year potentially so like knowing that those are coming and what i always say is like something that i try to do when i feel like people i love are struggling in any way shape or form grief or loss i feel like i try and make notes in my calendar of mm-hmm. like, hey, this is Amy's big day is coming on this day. Remember to send a text. I'm thinking about you today, right? right. It's it is that simple. And but it's important. And yeah, and just just in general, just sending them a hey, you know, and hey, hope you're having a great day. Send yeah. them a funny emoji or a gif yes. or gif, whatever side you're on, on that <laughs> battle. But you know, you just never know because I certainly have had just out of the blue, you know, someone, I mean, I just had a recent loss of a friend and out of the blue, I had one of my kiddos from my high school where I worked text me. I haven't heard from her probably since last summer. Yeah. And out of the blue, all of a sudden there was a text and I thought, wow, I really needed that right now. Thank you. So and we caught up, you know, and it was great to hear, you know, she's doing great things at TSU, you know, go Tigers. (laughs) And, um, but you know what? We never know. That that what you know that other person doesn't need that right then. Totally. And how long does it really take us to just send something like that? Yeah, it's so quick. You know? Absolutely. Okay, so thinking about being specifically, I mean, I know you work with older kids, fifteen plus plus mm-hmm. adults, and I work with younger kids, and we have a lot of parents who are listeners. So I definitely want to address what it would be like for uh, you know a parent or a caregiver when there has been a loss in the family, how they address that with their family, with their children, with their close loved ones, so that they can all kind of heal through it together. Because it can be so hard. I mean, I know I see little kids who are like, mommy's really sad. And I know she's really sad, but she's not talking about it. Right? How, How do we get our families, members, our adults in the family to talk to their kids about it? That's really tough sometimes because we we may come across adults slash parents who are not used to even themselves 
dealing with emotions and such. But what a great opportunity to take these events and and either learn how to do it yourself or share and be the model for your kiddos in expressing your emotions and your thoughts as they come and your feelings towards a certain event. And you know what? These feelings don't always have to be the happy ones. Right. I certainly have been encouraging to a lot of adults that they say, Oh, I don't want to cry in front of my kid. I don't, you know, I don't want them to see me being sad. And I always ask them why, right. why, why have we as a culture, you know, put this stigma on certain, you know, emotions such as sad, disappointment, hurt, all of those are as, as ones that we need to stifle and only, you know, have behind closed doors. You know, please, no, these are ours. We are emotional beings. Yes. And they are part of it and they are valid. And what a great opportunity to show young ones to normalize how we deal with emotions, identifying them, talking about them, expressing them to others. And, and honoring them and giving them the time and space, but showing them how to not let them become overwhelming. Yes. And have the outlets that we then use, you know, get up and dance, go yes. out and get in the dirt and plant, you know, something in the backyard or the front yard or Cook be that active. person's favorite meal Cook together. a meal, go out yeah. and take a walk and see how many robins, you know, you can yeah. count. Or did you hear a woodpecker or what are the flowers that are blooming right now? Right. That kind of mindfulness like that. But... I really do encourage it. And we learn a lot from ourselves about ourselves when we are modeling like that. Yes. And it really does norm these types of events that, that are going to come along in life. I mean, they I do. don't care what life you're living. Yes. <laughs> you're going to have issues that come along that emotions are going to come along with them that maybe we don't normally address and talk about. But if we are used to doing that, then it's just no big deal. And we can manage these events so much smoothie, smoother, smoother. Also <laughs> smoothie. Um, no, but like, I do agree with you 100%, right? There's this, how important it can be to role model healing. Yes. And role model experiencing those emotions, because especially kids, right? They're going to cry. They're going to do these things. And if we tell them stop crying, right, or we don't cry at this house, right, then they're not going to learn how to find those healthy coping mechanisms right. moving forward. And it's just such an important part of growth and healing and recovery yes. from a loss. It's, you know, in working with high school kids, the number of years that I did, I mean, so many of them, they had not, they had not had that model of how to healthily handle emotions as, as they come up, you know, and, and, and hello, they don't just come one at a time. They love to cluster together. Yes. So it really is, you know, it's such a great opportunity as part of social emotional growth yes. from the, the age that you work with into my high school kids. Yes. And wow, wouldn't that be lovely if we were already on top of that by the time we get to high school and we're having to manage like grades and groups Stress. and decisions on where we want to direct our world and, you know, what our identity, sport, you know. Just easy stuff. Just like those that. casual things. Yeah. But yes, it is to me, it, it always makes me curious why we don't have more classes uh, offering, you know, we teach them, you know, economics, we teach them, you know, 
politics. We teach them all these other things. We teach them about health, but we don't teach the mental health aspect right. of it. Right. And, you know, it's coming something in. that obviously you and I both believe in, both coming from the school. Coming out of education. Yeah, yes. I think it's it is. It's so important. And I and I so appreciate because I think you talking about grief and talking about what it would be like as a young person to experience grief. Also, what it's like, you know, as an adult to experience grief, because I think so often we can get as adults, we get caught up in our brains. We get caught up in what's going on around us. And we don't always think about the little people that are watching us. And so I I love that you included like togetherness. These are things we can do together. Mm -hmm. And these are the the ways that we as a family are going to give ourselves patience. This is a way as a family, we can give ourselves grace. And letting your, your children, your young ones, I don't care what age, you know, letting them be there for you. How empowering is that for them? Oh my gosh, I know. And they, I mean, I helped mommy today. Yeah. I helped my older sibling feel better today. Or, you know, I yeah. listened. I mean, learning all the, I mean, that's Not invaluable. hiding things from them. Yeah, I think so often I feel like with clients, my little clients, especially, I feel like it comes up a lot around that like fourth grade time. It's like they think that they're grown up. They're so far from being a grown up. Right. But it's like they are noticing things. And how do we make sure as the adults in their lives they're noticing things and they're watching us process those things. You know, I yep. think that that's so important too. Like, like you said, not, not keeping things behind closed doors. So many times in my, especially teaching high school kids, I would ask, you know, how they would handle a certain situation and eight and a half out of 10 times the answer was because that's how my parents handle it. Right. Because we talk about homelessness. We talk about Spider-Man over there at Memorial and 610. Yeah. And it'd be mm-hmm. like, so are you the type that you don't make eye contact or do you roll down the window and talk to people, blah, blah, blah. And most of the time the answers came because that's how they saw my their parents it. Yeah. handle it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we are in a community where especially – at NFCC here, we welcome people in no matter who they are, what they're like. And I feel like we are ready to help you as a client, right? Be that support system. So if you don't know how to navigate it, right. you can come in here and And, and I'm learn. always excited when I hear my clients who are then sharing the knowledge, the things that we've discussed, you know, the tools, the strategies with either, you know, like friends, if I have like some of my college age kids, you know, they share it with some of their friends yeah. or, you know, some of my parents who are, you know, telling their, you know, their significant other, you know, or their kid. I'm like, spread the word. Yeah. Please, please be that person. You know, this is this is not just for you to hang on to. You know, this is for everybody. Absolutely. So, man, Amy, I just love talking to you. I feel like we could talk for hours. I do want to do our rapid fire five. No problem. Let's do it. I know this was the the thing that made you a little nervous, but it's (laughs) great. So our first question is healing is healthy. Oh, my gosh. So healthy and so important. Number two, if you could read one book on repeat, what would it be? Now, this is interesting because uh, I don't really have the opportunity to read books that much anymore. Um, The times that I do have to read, I actually read my magazines, such as National Geographic, um, Texas Parks and Wildlife, Texas Highways. Um, That is really what I love to read anymore that I, I have that much time for, which yes. is not that much. Yeah. Um, but I do listen to books on Audible 
I love um, that. a lot. But yeah, my reading anymore now is, is out of the magazines and such. Which is important too. I feel like we sure. got to normalize the idea and, of like not everybody has time to sit down with a book. And I'm an oldie. I, I still like to hold, I still like to hold a magazine in my hand. So. Yes, me too. I'm the I'm exact a, same way. Touch is very big for me. So I like to also feel like Texas Monthly, you know, in the last like two years changed the type of paper that they use and I love it. Oh yeah. And it's just so beautifully photographed <laughs> as well. Yes. See, yeah. Weird Doesn't fact about to- me now that y'all know. <laughs> Doesn't always have to be a book, y'all. Okay, number three, the best version of self-care for you personally is? The best version of self-care for me is um, dorking out and sitting in my backyard with my wife, bird watching. We did that yesterday. We had six types of new birds come through. Wow. Um, uh, They're migrating. Uh, (laughs) What was the coolest one you saw yesterday? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Orchard Oriole and a Eastern Wood Peewee. That's right Um, here in Houston, Texas, y'all. They are migrating through right now. They're coming back up from South America and Central America. We also had Orioles. We had a bunch of, yeah. Um, And and our regular hummingbird. So, and um, always getting out and taking a walk. Mm, Um, I've had dogs for the last 40 years of my life. So always getting out with the fur babies and such. And then um, I ride a motorcycle. So that's my other biggie. You're so cool. Is to get out. Well, I don't know about that, but... (laughs) Um, is getting out on the bike and cranking up the tunes and singing out loud because there's nothing better than some wind therapy and singing out loud. Ugh, I couldn't agree for more. For me. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm a windows down, yes. music up kind of a woman. Um, okay, number four. What's one thing that you are proud of? I am proud of who I have eventually become. Um, I'm more proud of realizing that I got here because of the people I kept around me and and was lucky enough, very fortunate enough to have around me, starting with my family. Um, I I know everybody says this, but I have the best family out there. Um, and then, you know, my, my close friends that have always been encouraging and have lifted me up and told me that I can because I am very bad about being my own worst enemy of going, eh, I don't know, you know, but mm-hmm. the friends that have been in my corner my whole life and my wife, she's always the, you got this, you can do this, you know, nothing can stop you. Oh, most certainly. Oh, so, what a great thing to have. I yeah. love that. I'm proud of you, too, for who well, you are. And I haven't even you. known you that long, but I love it. Um, number five is one thing that you are deeply grateful for. My gratitude, again, runs deep towards my family. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was so fortunate to have Dr. Donald Grady deliver mm-hmm. me and knew that my biological mom was going to give me up for adoption back in the middle of the 60s, that's right, I'm old, and (laughs) called my mom, and my mom came to St. Joseph's and saw me, and they went home and had a vote. I've told everybody not to tell me how they voted, Um, but then two days later, my last name was Grady, and I've been a Grady ever since, and I don't think without that foundation of that family, my parents, my siblings, um, the continuation of the support from my siblings, I I can't even imagine. So they are really, they are the, the... initial point of my gratitude and along with um, my wife that in August will be 25 years but we've known each other for 34 years amazing and has always been an inspiration and and a support so yeah 
Well, I am sure that they are very proud of you, too. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and talking to us about grief and loss. I know that this is such a broad topic, but you did such a great job of synthesizing. And I'm just always so grateful to talk to you and know you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to do that. Of course. Okay. Have a great day. Y'all, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners, please share it with someone you know, post about it on social media, and leave a rating or a review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. My wonderful friends and guest experts who joined me each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.